Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Yeah, morning church. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge pr- privilege for me to, to share this morning. Uh, still in the same series uh, called Christian in the City. Um, and, I, and I think if we sort of think back over the past few sermons on it, um, I don't know about you, but I've been very blessed by the sermons over the past few weeks. Um, and one thing that's probably stood out for me the most is that it's harder than I thought to be a Christian in the city. Um, and we really need Jesus in order to be a Christian in the city. Um, and so uh, let me just introduce myself. Uh, there we go. Uh, there's a photo of the three of us. So my name is Louis, uh, and there's my wife, Catherine. You've met her. And then JP is my cousin. He's 15, 16, 15, 16. <laughs> He's a teenager, and he, and he lives with us. So, so that, those are the three, and we, we chose to skip the two dogs. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I just want to read for us this morning out of Jeremiah 29. Um, you know the scripture very well by now, from verse 4 to 9. Um, yeah, and let's trust the Lord to really open up his word for us and to really speak to our hearts this morning. Um, verse 4. Um, I'm reading out of the ESV. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, your dreams which you cause to dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And so um, our title this morning is going to be a nice one, Truth in the City. Um, And you might ask, why are we speaking about truth? Uh, Because we are the church. We know that truth is very important and we live in truth. But God warns his people in verse 8 and 9. He says, do not let the prophets and your diviners deceive you. And do not listen to the lies that they prophesy to you in, in my name. And this letter is not going to unbelievers. In fact, this letter is going to believers. And so I think for us as a church and every single one of us sitting this morning, we would be very wise to, to heed and to listen to this warning of what God is speaking to his people because I think it very much applies to us. Um, so let me pray for us and we'll jump straight into it. Father God, thank you that we can come to you with joyful hearts, Lord. Um, Thank you that just in this morning, how we were singing, Lord, we surrender all, Lord. We want to continue to surrender everything to you, Father God. We want to stand open before you this morning, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we want to give you permission to come and change our hearts, Lord. Um, Come and show us, Lord, the places where we have not allowed you in, Lord. And come and change them, Lord, and and shape us, Lord, that we would, every single day of our lives, Lord, whether we are in the city or not, Lord, that we would represent you well. 
that we would become that holy priesthood and that that um, Peter speaks about, Lord. And so we uh, just hand over this sermon into your hands, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that you lead and guide every single word in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone doing well? You're not cold. It's quite cold this morning. <laughs> All right, so truth in the city. Um, it, it sounds like a very simple, straightforward topic, truth versus lies. Um, and, and our minds tend to lean towards but everyone sort of values truth in the city. Um, most people like have some sort of moral value system that values truth. And that, that is quite true because no one enjoys to be cheated or to be lied to. We, we get quite upset when that happens to us. Um, and, and the sort of average studies done, in, uh, done over this in time, 88% um, of people rate truth and honesty as uh, the highest virtue that they value the most. Um, and they, they do not just see truth or honesty as important, they see it as extremely important. And they see it as a necessity, and not just in life in general, but in business, in relationships. In fact, that stat goes up to like 93% when we talk about relationships. So people in general value truth. Um, and, and, and people also feel the most hurt and the most disappointed, and they get the most upset when they're lied to. That's also what statistics show. And so if we all value truth, then obviously the statistics of lying should be really low. But that's also not the truth, <laughs> right? Um, so I'm going to read you a few shockers of statistics around lying, um, so brace yourselves. Uh, this is not us. This is America. Like, this, is, uh, this does not apply. Um, so 60% of people can't go 10 minutes without lying. People lie more often over the phone than face-to-face. -face. People lie more to strangers than to friends or family members. Men and women lie equally. Right? <laughs> Let me just stop there. <laughs> men, men are more likely to lie about their achievements. Ladies, yours is coming. <laughs> While women are more likely to lie to protect someone's feelings. So that was a ooh. <laughs> so children start lying at the age of two. And by the age of four, they can lie convincingly. And, and this, is, this is probably the most scary one is, in fact, two-thirds of the information we receive on a daily basis includes some form of deception. And so my, my point of sharing that with you is that even though that we are a people that claim to value truth and that, that hold it as extremely important, uh, our actions say otherwise. Um, and so to bring it sort of to Joburg, you know, for us in the city, what does truth look like for us in the city? Uh, for example, if you open your F&B app or your banking app, the first thing that comes up is says, beware of scammers, right? The fake, uh, fake Facebook accounts, um, hackers, false advertising, fake news. We are constantly bombarded by a world and a system 
that is built around lies and deception. Um, in fact, doing some research uh, around this, we are actually called a post-truth era. Um, and it, it was just really shocking to me. Um, and so why do we struggle with this? We know that truth is good, right? We value it, but we struggle to walk in it. And, and why is it like that? Because sometimes we view lies and truth like this picture here. I got you a picture. Here we go. Right? Truth, lie, basic. But if it was that simple, then we would all speak the truth. But the issue is, is that the enemy is far more subtle than that. It says the worst is he comes as an angel of light. And, and in finding the truth, sometimes, you know, most lies carry a part of the truth. And so finding the truth, it looks more like the bottom one. <laughs> And that feels, sometimes feels like how we have to navigate the city, how we have to navigate life. Like, I know truth is important, but yo, which one is the truth? Um, and this is nothing new to the book of Jeremiah. Um, in fact, the like, words relating to dishonesty and deception is mentioned over 55 times in the book of Jeremiah. And the whole of Jeremiah plays out in this tension between false prophets, people, not saying that I'm a false prophet, listen to me. He's saying, thus says the Lord. And then Jeremiah comes and says, thus says the Lord. And the Israelites are like, what is the Lord saying? <laughs> right? And, and I, my heart for us this morning is to hopefully get some tools, not only to be able to spot lies and deception, but also to see how we often contribute to lies and deception, and how we often deceive ourselves. Um, and um, so we have these prophets. They, um, they are prophesying back and forth, back and forth throughout the book of Jeremiah. And it's quite a big build-up to Jeremiah 29. And this is sort of where we jump in. And we've heard the context, but to give you a quick overview, um, the Israelites are sort of standing at a crossroad. Um, Hananiah, the one prophet, uh, made this big entrance, and he says, God says, two years we will be in exile, and then he will come and fetch us, and we will be removed, and everything will go back to normal. It's going to be amazing. And Jeremiah says, God is going to remove us. He's going to bring us back. Everything's going to be amazing, but he will only do it in 70 years. So we've got two verses 70 years, and both of them say, the Lord says, and, um, and, and I sort of just want to, like, um, venture this with you because I want us to really imagine the consequences of, of which, whichever path would carry. Like, if we had to follow the path that Hananiah says, then we would be building for two years, right? Because in two years, God is coming to fetch us. He's coming to remove us. And so God says in his word, he says to, through Jeremiah, he says, build houses, plant gardens, you know, give your sons and daughters a marriage. And so the question is, is that when we look at those instructions, how would that look in the picture of two years? We would maybe pitch tents. Would we even plant gardens? Might live of the market? 
Um, we would maybe say to our kids, like, wait, 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 we're going home in two years, then you can have marriage in the homeland. You know, we would change. It would, so basically, the path we choose would change the way we live. But if we choose, and, and the hard part of that is that if we choose that path, not only will we lose when, let's say, two years come and God does not come. And then they say, no, 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 another two years, and God does not come. Um, and not only do we end up losing and becoming disappointed, but our descendants will lose because we would not have made provision to build houses for them. We would not have planted gardens that will care for them. And the city will lose because we will not contribute because we will be sure that we are leaving. One foot in, one foot out. And then lastly, we will be, ultimately, we will be divided from the Lord because we had rebelled and chosen not to follow the truth. But if we follow the truth, like Jeremiah says, it says that, let me just find my place. Um, it says that, so if we build for 70 years, we won't just build houses like God says. He says, build houses and live in them. So we will build houses not just for ourselves, but we will build houses for our descendants. We'll build houses for our kids, right? We will plant gardens that won't just care for us and feed us, but, but will feed the people around us and after us. We will allow families to grow and to thrive. Uh, so, so our way of living will change completely based on the road that we choose. And this is why... God warns them in verse 8 and 9, and he says, do not listen. Do not listen to the, the words of these prophecies. Don't listen to them, because God knows that if you are deceived, you will not live the way that I have called you to live. Um, let me just get some water. <laughs> And so the benefits and outcomes of truth versus lies are very clear. Um, but when we stand at the crossroads, it's not very clear. If a lie had to present itself with the outcome, we would straight out reject it. Because if we see what it would cost, if a, what a lie would cost us in time, we would never follow that road. But we never know what that outcome looks like. Um, and, and that's why sometimes even though we know the truth, um, I, we know lying is bad, we know deception is bad, but we struggle to walk in the truth. And I want to tell you a, a personal story um, of just sort of how that played out in my life in one day. Um, uh, if, I can't even remember how long ago. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm a, a freelancer editor, and uh, one day I was called in to go work at my um, previous company as a freelancer, and, um, and, and so I, I went there, and, and God really, yeah, God really gave me a lot of favor there, and it was really uh, left there on a good foot with peace, like had a really good, converse, uh, really good uh, relationship with my ex-boss, and, um, and I sort of started working, and one of my ex-colleagues messaged me and said, I'm quitting today, like I'm resigning. 
and I was like, okay, let's have coffee quickly, let's talk, and um, just gave him some advice, how to do it, and, uh, and, and he messaged me, and he said, it went so well, thank you for the advice, and I was like, brilliant, and as a freelancer, I made a joke with him, and I said to him, pretty soon you're a free man, you know, and in retrospect, that was wrong from my side, but... I, I was joking with him, like, pretty soon you won't be working for someone and you will be a freelancer, therefore you will be a free man. <laughs> but, um, and she's actually here this morning. Um, during the, the day, my, my WhatsApp screen was on my second monitor. And my ex-employer walked past and he saw this message. And, uh, and Anne messaged me and she said to me, your boss is, or well, my boss is very upset, and my heart drops, and I'm like, sure. He saw the message, and she says, he's upset with the employer, so now I'm confused. And then she explained to me that he quickly looked at my messages, and he thought that that message was the employer's message, that that was his words. And I could see the tension change in the, in the office, and now I know, I, that was my words. That was, that, that was my mistake. And I, um, I spoke to him fully knowing what he knows. And I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, I just can't believe it. This guy just gave me these beautiful words. Um, and, and now he sends you this message, like, as if this is a prison, now that he's a free man. And... Um, and I can't, even in those moments, I can't get myself to tell him the truth. I struggle to tell him the truth. And I walk away from that conversation with my tail between my legs, and I do not own up to the mistake that I've made. Um, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complete this story because God did redeem it. But what I, I really want to look at, and, and I was sort of analyzing my own story, why was, this a, why was this a problem for me? Because I know truth is important. I know lying is a sin. And I, I know I'm busy deceiving everyone in this whole office. Why don't I speak the truth? And so a guy called James Brian Smith, he writes a book called The Good and Beautiful Life. Um, and he speaks a little bit about lying there. And he says every single lie can be allocated to two categories. And, and basically every lie is driven by two things. Either fear or desire, right? And, um, and these two are essentially rooted in one thing, which is self-preservation or selfishness. And self-preservation basically says, I am important and my well-being is my main mission, right? And so if you'll be honest with yourself, think of the last time you had a, a lie or a a moment like this, a moment of dishonesty, um, you know, and see if you can place it in these categories. But I'm not going to do that to you. We, we will anima- analyze my story. Um, so I tested my lie and, and my story, and I analyzed it, and I realized, for example, in terms of fear, I feared that I would lose a client of mine. I feared very quickly what the repercussions of losing that client would be, it would mean that there's a financial repercussion as well for me and my family, right? I fear that my friend, what, what would he think of me? Um, I feared the confrontation. 
And then my desires was to keep my reputation intact. And in fact, just to say, Anne is in my small group, so I also fear what she's thinking. Um, <laughs> I desired to remain innocent, and I wanted to remain the good guy. And that's why I lied. Because I was looking out for my own interests. Um, and I was covering my own back. And because of fear and desire, we all lie. And we allow ourselves to be lied to because of that. Um, and the story is very similar for the Israelites. And if we analyze what is busy happening to them, um, I want to put their story in these two categories. Because the Israelites feared to go into exile. They did not want to go into exile. They feared what Babylon would look like. They feared what King Nebuchadnezzar could do to them. But their desires, the desires, they had a desire to be free. Um, and their desire was far more for two years rather than 70 years. That was their desire. And with these things in place, it really is an eye-opener for all of us because not only did their fears and desires make them susceptible to be lied to, but they were the ones ultimately lying to themselves. Because they were at heart, they were deceived already. Um, because, for example, if we look at verse 8, it says, Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, your dreams which you cause them to dream. Right? And so... The Israelites were so, they were making sure that, that this is our desire and we will share this desire until we start hearing prophecies about these desires. And then, then we can say, this is of the Lord. Um, and, and the circumstances and the environment and the discomfort made them biased to lean towards that false truth. Um, and probably the scariest thing of all is that the Israelites had surrounded themselves with voices that only spoke according to their own desires. People that only backed their opinion and their desires. And I'll read these voices to you quickly, just to show you how many. Verses, uh, Jeremiah 27, 9, it says, Do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums, or your sorcerers who tell you you will not serve the king of Babylon. Everyone agreeing that no, two years. And we do the same. If we are honest with ourselves, we tend to do the same. We surround ourselves only with people that agree with us. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of an echo chamber, but we tend to, and I'm speaking about myself, we tend to build echo chambers around our own opinions and our own desires. And then we find people that echo the same. We place them in there, and it's just this whole echo chamber of, I am right. What I'm feeling is right. This is great. And, and we can even twist our theology in that way to fit. We can take the word out of context. We can twist the truth so it still feels like truth, but it's not tr the truth. Um, and we lie to and about one another to protect our own backs. Um, and, and the risk of this is that it's, it's something called cognitive dissonance. This basically means that there's a tension between what we know versus what we do. 
And then someone uses an example of like an employee that out of dishonesty steals money from the work. But he says, if the boss didn't underpay me, then I wouldn't need to steal. Therefore, I am in the right and he is in the wrong. And so what they call it is like cognitive gymnastics. We shape and shift things until we justify our way to our own truth. Um, and if we can be very honest with ourselves, in these areas of our lives, we don't have any need for God. Because if we can't admit and accept that we are wrong, then we can't get to repentance. If we don't accept and come to the fact of the truth in the matter, then we can't allow God in to come and shape that part. And, and the Israelites had to come to their, the truth in their own hearts as well. Because in Jeremiah 29, it looks like they're pulling on the short end of the stick. But I want to just give you a sort of small window of how the Israelites have actually, had actually been living up until now before exile. Jeremiah 9 says, um, from verse 3, it says, They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and truth has grown strong in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone beware of his neighbor, and put no trust in any brother. For every brother is a deceiver, and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. Everyone deceives his neighbor, and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves committing iniquity, heaping oppression upon oppression, deceit upon deceit, they refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and test them, for what else can I do because of my people? Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. With his mouth, each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart he plans an ambush for him. And so the Israelites are far from innocent. Far from innocent. And, and they have sort of formed this thing in their hearts that we do not deserve to go to Babylon at all. This is not the truth. Our truth is two years, Lord. Uh, and, and the truth in this is that God was disciplining them. God was disciplining them. And the truth is, is that they needed discipline. And, and, and so the question is like, what is truth then? And the truth is that that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is a self-expression of God himself. And so God isn't just committed to the truth. He is truth. And because he loves and he cares for us in truth, because that is who he is, he will always speak the truth to us. Um, and because he's truth, because though he speaks truth to us, is always to draw us closer to him, even though it sometimes feels unpleasant. And, and God doesn't shy away from the truth. And that's why he's disciplining, uh, he's disciplining the Israelites. And in verse 7, he says to them, now he gives them a command in the new city. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare... You will find your welfare. 
And if I had to put these, this scripture next to the one I just read you, Jeremiah 9, God is now asking them to seek the peace of people they don't know in a city they don't belong to, where we just saw how they reacted and towards one another and loved one another in a city which was their own and their own people. And so in a very real way, this is an impossible challenge that God is giving them. But God also, in the same letter, gives them the, the sort of recipe of how you're going to be able to do this. Um, and, and, and this is what I really want to uh, like give us this morning, uh, because God is using this. He's going to use that to, to restore the Israelites. He says, um, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So there's three words I just want to focus in on there. Seek, pray, and find. And so God is challenging the Israelites who previously backstabbed one another. Now I'm encouraging you to seek truth, to seek, truly seek the peace of the city. Not like we saw, like speak peace to one another, but then plan something on the back. Like I want you to truly seek the peace. And that's only going to happen as you engage with me as the one who is truth. Because he says, pray to the city. Pray to God. Uh, pray to God on behalf of the city. Speak to the one who is truth on behalf of the city. Find my heart for the city, and then you will seek that, that peace for the city. And I, I want to like, just give us, because I think a lot of us can probably also feel like well, it feels like our journey towards truth feels very different. Um, but how do we battle lies and deceptions? And how do we start to live in truth in our hearts? And the same thing for us is that seek, pray, and find. Because in Jeremiah 29, the Lord, I feel the Lord really gives us the answer. He says, then in verse 12, it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you. And so it all, in order to start walking in God's truth, it all starts with seeking him with all of our hearts. That's where it starts. Because lies and deception was aimed towards us. That made us... It made us open to lean towards lies and deception. But when we see God first, and not our own desires, we, the Lord starts helping us to start seeing truth. And when we allow our plans and our prophecies and, and even our sins, when we bring these things before the Lord, God, who is truth, will change our hearts. And that means that when we pray for our city, we will pray out of a place of truth. We will pray out of a place of what is God's heart for our city. And so how do we see God with all of our hearts? I think it starts with the word. It starts in his word um, by seeking his truth in the word. Um, and um, Hebrews 12 verse 4 says that the word of God is alive and it is active. That means that it's constantly doing something in our hearts. It's constantly changing us and shaping us. Um, and it says it's able to judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so as we seek the truth in his words, 
in His Word, we are also confronted with our own lies and deception. And, um, and the second one is that let's surround ourselves with people that speak the truth. That speak the truth in love. Let's surround ourselves with Jeremiah's that can love us through the Word and, and say, this is not of the Lord. Um, and, um, yeah, and just to sort of tie this all together, in, in that story that I shared about um, the, the, the job, the only thing, I, I drove away, by the way, without owning up to that lie. And, um, and 10 minutes later, probably, uh, the Holy Spirit just convicted me so much. And, um, and the repercussion was so, much, was so much worse than just owning up in the moment. And it always is. Um, but the only thing that made me phone my ex-boss and own up and say, that message was me. I'm sorry. That was not my heart. I did not mean that. I had to phone Anne, and I had to say, I'm so sorry. I'm a horrible example <laughs> to you. Um, I had to own up to those things. But the only thing that got me to that point was the thought that this lie would separate me from the Lord. Um, and that my lie will cost someone else because he had a month's notice, and that month's notice would have been hell if that lie did not change into a truth. And so I want to really show us that, is that when we seek God with all of our hearts, when we seek Him as our first priority, we will make mistakes. We will. Um, but when we seek Him with all of our hearts, the Lord will really encourage us and help us to see, Lord, that was a lie. Lord, this is deception. I repent of this. And I want to encourage us this morning, the one that probably, well, that the only one that could model this was Jesus. And in a very real way, He came and He sought the peace for us. He left His city, His heavenly city, and He came to us. And He sought our peace and He prayed to God on our behalf. In fact, he was willing to give everything so that we could find peace in the city where we are. And, and I, I'm so grateful for that, so grateful for the cross. Because if Jesus sought his own will and his own way, then I would not be saved and none of you would. But Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but your will. He said, I seek the will of my Father. I do nothing without seeing my Father doing it. And, and on the cross, the Lord knew that we were deceived. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. But today, we have no excuse because Jesus has shown us his love and his truth on that cross, the truth of the gospel. Right? And we can look to that and we can say, I can no longer deny that Jesus loves me and that Jesus did that for me. I can't deny it anymore. Um, and his plans are, like Jeremiah, 11, uh, Jeremiah 29 says, his plans for us are to prosper us. His plans are good, plans of hope. 
plans for a future for us. And we can trust in that because it is the Lord's truth. And so can we just stand um, and ask the band to come up, please? Can we just close our eyes? Um, I think as, as we, I've been sharing that um, walking in truth starts inside of our own hearts, being honest with ourselves, being honest with the, the things in our lives that we have not allowed the Lord to speak truth in. Because maybe we're afraid that if we allow the Lord to speak truth, then it will have to change. And so I want to ask a question is like, what are those areas in your life that are locked off to God's truth? What are the things that we, that we hold away because we know that the Lord's truth will change it, but we don't want to surrender it to Him? And, and what relationships, maybe it's in, in church or in family or work, have we contributed towards lies and deception? Things we know that needs to be set straight. Um, and how does seeking God's, God's truth in that, how does that change how we love the people in those relationships? And I just want to make two invitations this morning. And the first invitation is, is for the person who who cannot say that they have come in contact with the truth of the gospel, who have not come to believe that the truth is is that Jesus died for me and that he died in my place and that I needed to hang on that cross, but Jesus did it for me. And he paid the price and now I I stand clean before him. If If that is not a truth in your heart, I would love to pray with you. Because I know the Lord's heart is for you to know that that is truth. And the second, or for those of us who, who know the truth, like I, I shared this morning, we know the truth. We know that it is good and that the outcome of truth is good. And we know God's heart for us and his plans for us. But you've convinced yourself to continue living in lies and deception sort of ignoring the truth or maybe even bending it, making life a little bit more comfortable. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit is calling us, every single one of us, to walk in truth. He is the Spirit of truth, and it says He will guide us into all truth. And so I want to encourage you, as eyes are closed, like, do not... do not strive or do not receive condemnation from this because the Lord says, like... Let's walk in the light as He is in the light. And the enemy has been lying to a lot of us regarding our relationship with the Lord and regarding ourselves. But if God is in the light, we need to come into the light. We need to trust Him that when the Lord exposes things in our hearts, it is not to condemn us. It is for us to find peace in that. It says, the truth shall set you free. And so I just, if you, if you are one of those two people, I just, 
want to pray, ask you if afterwards you just want to come forward. We just want to pray with you, but I'm just going to pray for us now. Um, Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are truth. We thank you, Father God, that your intentions towards us, Lord, your heart for us is always truthful. And that we can trust you, Lord, in everything that we do. And, and Lord, as, as your people, Lord, we want to repent, Father God, where we have chased uh, and we have become keen to being lied to and being deceived, Father God, because of our own selfish desires, Lord. Because of our own plans, Lord, our own fears, we want to lay it at your feet this morning, Lord. And we want to say, Father God, we want to walk in the light. We want to live in this city truthfully, Lord. We want to represent you as our God, as people of truth, Lord. So Holy Spirit, thank you for the work that you've been doing in in our hearts. and, And thank you that these seeds that are planted, Lord, will will bear fruit, Father God, that we will bear fruit of truth and honesty, truth that represents you well in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.